Hello and welcome to the Tacona Morning Drive podcast. This episode, I sit down with Ben Pearson, who is best known for his work on the Police Interceptors TV show. Now, Ben was a traffic cop, hence him being on the show, which means he's got some stories and some experiences which are kind of trauma-inducing and go through some very real things. Now, this is an opportunity for me to say trigger warning as we do touch upon some of these topics and being that the podcast is about talking and about mental health and about exploring the different directions conversation can go in I'm not going to cut those things out it's as we recorded so consider this your warning in advance if you are sensitive to some of the topics that could come up when talking to a police officer Ben himself has very openly talked about his PTSD and the experiences he's been through so we do touch on them. Now Ben is raising awareness for PTSD through things like books and podcasting and um, events and meets and giving talks so it was a great opportunity to sit down and talk with him, get to know him a little bit better and have a good chat. Another warning is there might be some background noise as we recorded this after Coffees and Cars up at the motorist. So you may have the sound of cars leaving as it was 35 degree heat and we couldn't really keep the windows closed for fear of sweating to death. But it was a great episode to record and at this point, on with the podcast. Right, I'm recording, which that's what that means. That's it, we're going, we'll just chat. Hello, so, you all right? Hello. <laughs> um, no, it's a general chit chat. Right. Um, not that you've listened to any of my podcasts before, which you've already admitted to. Well, I'm sorry about that though, it's not my fault. I've listened to your driven one. But it's fine. I, I won't hold it against you, it's fine. <laughs> um, no. So the idea with the Morning Drive podcast is it's general chat. Yeah. It acts as a nice, easy way to demonstrate that conversation doesn't have to be yeah, scary definitely. or difficult. Um, it's not a therapy session. I'm not going to go down any avenues that you don't want to go down. If no, they come I'm, up, they I'm, come up. If we chat, they chat. I'm more than happy to talk about anything. I've got nothing that I'm, I'm not restricted about talking about, and I'm a completely open book with everything. Perfect. So I should probably introduce you, really. Um, actually, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So the one question I have when I do these... Who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Ben Pearson. I'm a retired West Yorkshire Police Traffic Cop after 19 years in the job. Um, people recognise me most from being on series 15, 16, 17 and a bit of 18 of Channel 5 Police Interceptors. I've medically retired from police, so now I'm a, a best-selling author, podcaster, YouTuber and um, promoter of mental, men's mental health and PTSD. Amazing. And that's basically in a nutshell. Perfect. Right, podcast done. No, of course not. So we're up at the motorist for coffees and cars, and for anyone listening, you might hear cars in the background. We are nearly at two o'clock, so people should hopefully be wrapping up a bit of that by now. Um, But it's been a very nice opportunity for us to actually meet face-to-face. We've had a couple of messages over Instagram, and we've got some very similar ideas in terms of let's use kind of clothing, cars, get people talking, destigmatize the ideas around mental health. Yeah. So obviously you've come from the police background, which inherently has a lot of challenges and you see a lot of kind of difficult things and you deal with a lot of things. And for you to have kind of turned that into, right, let's help with mental health is a great thing. While you were within the police force, how did you find the topic of mental health? Um... When I was in the police, it's it's not spoken about. There's there's stickers everywhere. There's um, like banners, those pull-up banners like you've got. There's things like that everywhere on walls. Um, but no one pays any attention. I mean, when I spoke to uh, Luke Camber, who's fan of Andy's Man Club, um, it's obviously he's got this big sticker that goes on back at toilet doors. So when you're having a, not being funny, when you're having a poo, you can read yeah. Andy's Man Club. And everyone thought it was like a, a pool club or a bowling club. They were actually, when we asked everyone in office, no one actually knew what yeah. about going to get men to talk. So nothing's ever mentioned. When you come in, we always have debriefs after we have fatals or massive pursuits, which end in people being seriously injured. 
um, but nothing's ever said. Your sergeant might go, how are you doing this morning? You all right? And that's it. But it's just a general, yeah. now then, how are you doing, Lewis? You all right? There's not a, right, has it affected you in any way, shape or form? So there's nothing. It's only when you come out and you literally, I'm, I'm hurt now and I'm damaged. That's when people look at you and it's either, can we fix him? Or do we just, in theory, bin him off? Yeah. yeah. It's that simple because they're paying a lot of money. They've invested hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds in you. Um, to do all your advanced driving, to do all your investigation skills, your law courses and everything. And it's like, is this man going to come back or not? Yeah. And if they can fix you, yeah, they'll probably try and fix you. But if not, that's it, you're gone. And unfortunately, I, I couldn't have been fixed and, and I went. But yeah, it's not, it's not something that's talked about at the moment. Now, I've been out two years. Yeah. So in those two years now, I don't know what it's like. And obviously, that's why we're pushing our... R1965 PTSD awareness and like we self pushing yourself um, how it is now I don't know but I think it's I think over the next five years I think it'll become more yeah, acceptable yeah. well having yourself going in and you you mentioned that you do like lectures and things like that yeah. that's only going to help yeah especially if it's one of their own like if I go in and go you should talk more I'm to a police officer I'm a, I'm a normal person I'm yeah. a lay person I'm not someone that's lived in the, the life and walked in those shoes as much as I've worked within mental health industry, I've not been a police officer. Yeah. I applied for the police force. I got rejected. <laughs> um, I, I did the... The way you do it now is you do an online test. Right. And you have to do the which personality trait yeah. do you think most suit you? And you go through that. And then you do, here's the situation, rate the responses in order of like most appropriate to least yeah. appropriate, this, that, and the other. It's all multiple choice. And um, I did all that. I got 5% compatibility. <laughs> so I emailed them, I said... Is this out of 10%? <laughs> yeah. So I emailed and I said, surely this is wrong. Surely it's multiple choice, one in four options. And 25% is like your chat. If you just yeah. blagged it, 25%. Your danger average is what that's going to be, isn't it? 25%. Yeah. Like if I did nothing, I just randomly went A, B, C, C, B, A, all that 25% surely. No, no, the test never I had this back and forth for about three or four emails. And then I got... Maybe this argumentativeness is the reason that you only got 5%. <laughs> By which point, I can't then argue, because I'm just proving... That I'm not arguing. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to kind of put my hands up and be like, well, I guess I'm not going to be a police officer. It's not... Again, it's like Army, Navy. It's, it's like um, psych, psychiatry and everything else, that, as you know. Uh, it's just not for everyone. And I think there's a, there's a massive thing when... And I don't mean people like yourself. There's a massive thing when people say, Ivy, you're not not good enough but you're not able to be one because yeah. if you look back and someone said to me 19 years ago this is going to break you I probably wouldn't have joined yeah. so is it for me well technically it won't and were I pretending to be technically a tough guy and pretend I were alright yeah I was yeah, yeah. so technically it won't for me but if I got called that before I'd probably be in a normal 9 to 5 job now yeah, yeah. and we won't be sat here talking so um, I'm glad I'm where I am now, but yeah, it's not it's not for everyone, and it, it definitely won't for me. No, it's it's certainly like a a career that it, it has almost like a, a person that it's for. Like you kind of have to tick these boxes, and you yeah. have to have a. There's a certain amount of desensitivity that you have to have, yeah, because of the inherent nature of what you do. Like there's a certain amount of you have to be able to see something truly horrific, and it not be. You can't take that home. Yeah, the same way that a normal person sees a car crash they see something horrible yeah. that affects them for a, a long period of time a police officer has to be able to like kind of process that and not yeah. have that effect and obviously it, it is going to have an effect and it's hard to then yeah. get them to talk and realise well it's like I was um, not going into full detail but I was dealing with a two, two year old decapitated child Jesus. and six hours later um, after being removed from scene, I was playing with my daughter who was two year old mm. at the same time. But I smelt the blood, I could taste blood in my mouth, and I'm picking my daughter up. And I sat like, couldn't definite, uh, definite, couldn't split the lives yeah. that were leading, it were all blending into one. Um, and that's when I knew my mental health were growing. So there's a certain point when everyone else has got to be affected by what they see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a horrible job that. It is, it is thought-provoking, and you do give a lot back. Yeah. But it's still a horrible job, but it's the same as being in fire service and ambulance and that sort of thing, and doctors and casualty. You are there because you are the, at the end of the scope where the trauma, the danger, and the, the life-changing events happen. Yeah, you're Someone's the, got that to do line it. that yeah. is like, right, this is where it, we deal with this. We... 
Is that a V8? <laughs> probably, probably a Ferrari or something. It sounded, it sounded good. I don't know how much the mic's picked up. Um, but yeah, these people are... We need them in society. We yeah. need someone that can take the absolute worst and go, right, we have to fix this, we have to deal with it, we have to yeah. kind of tidy it up and keep I think moving forward, don't you? It's like, <clears throat> you, I had 19 years of this trauma, of, literally from day one it starts, and it's 19 years of built up of over, it's not just one event, it's, it's months and months and months of fatals, you're never having a day off, it's just um, really bad things. Um, but then it's really funny when you're in the office, um, you might say, look, I've been to doctors, you stay in doctors are prescribing subtilipram because I'm not right. Then other lads in the office go, oh, I'm on that. Yeah. Then I'm on that. But no one's actually said it before. Yeah, yeah. But then everyone's got a little issue. Everyone's hiding something. And the idea being is I don't think anyone should hide anything. My thoughts are everyone should be proud of who they are. Proud it should be of... normal to be like, right, this yeah. is just how we deal with this yeah. shit. Like, it's okay that we have to deal with it. Yeah. It's part of the job. Yeah. We shouldn't have this stigma around oh, I'm on something to help me cope with this. She's like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's fine. We, we would expect that. You're dealing with some horrific crap. We would expect you to need a bit more than the average Joe. Yeah. You're a person, the same as I'm a person, yeah. but you're dealing with the shit, so you probably need a bit more than I do to, yeah. to deal with your, your job. My day job doesn't inherently come with, well, not anymore anyway. <laughs> with the, yeah, It used to. I used to have a similar thing where it's yeah. like you, you deal with, I'm going to, kind of give a warning that we're probably going to talk about some stuff that is yeah. kind of difficult for the lay person or someone that might have kind of history of like self-harm and stuff like that. We'll say it right at the early on. We're probably going to talk about this stuff because yeah. we've probably got some shared experience in those kind of things. And if that's quite hard for, for people and if they've got like these trigger warnings, things like that, we're saying it now rather than causing more harm than yeah. we're solving. So probably should have I'm going to do an intro that says yeah. this is no, about it's fine. by so, this point I probably should have gone no, by fine. the way Ben mentions a decapitated yeah, child there's, there's, like there is minutes, some so. stories where people have died yeah <laughs> so my my job before I did any of this before I like three or four careers ago working in the hospitals you would see self-harm attempts suicide attempts assaults some quite gnarly stuff despite the amount of things we had in place to prevent it You stuff still got the ingenuity of someone that wants to hurt themselves is insane yeah you can have every restriction they'll still find a new way to to cause themselves harm and you have to kind of go in deal with that fix whatever clean it up sort it out put things in place to minimise it and within 10 minutes you're probably dealing with another one yeah well 10 minutes isn't enough to process that information no and even in those environments we did have times where we would do a debrief make sure everyone's okay but you would still have days where there wasn't time to do that. You back to back to back to back. And I was working in medium secure, which isn't the highest security, but it's... It's up there, isn't it? It's like one off top. It's yeah. one below Rampton, which to the layperson, you're like, oh, medium secure. They go, oh, that's not that bad. Go, no, 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 it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty it's bad. It's bad, <laughs> yeah. But you only know how bad it is if you know the industry. Yeah. Um, so you would spend a 12-hour shift going from restraint to restraint to dealing with self-harm, to dealing with an assault, to all this absolute madness and then you go home you don't get to the end of the shift and go right now it's debrief hour yeah because that's it's a continuously revolving thing and I imagine you've probably got a lot of shared yeah traffic incident to chase to drugs to this to that yeah. to this to that without... I just think as you just said then I just think life for some people is a con- continuous conveyor belt of positivity some people might be brought up in a millionaire's family where everything touch turns to gold and the friends are fantastic and they're all rich and all they do is go out spending money and all they do is live their lifestyle and champagne and all this and all the celebrity love and blah, 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 blah. And some people are just on the conveyor belt of just dealing with negativity. Yeah. And I'm not, not being bad, but just shit. It's just pain and sadness. But you're there because you want to try and make a difference. Yeah. You're not there because you get off on it. You're there because you, you see people hurting and you want to stop that. You want to give back you want to make a difference and I know it sounds cliche and cheesy but that's why I joined police but yeah it's like every day you're coming in you will either deal with a fatal then next day there'll be fatal and you won't even debrief the first one then you come in and there'll be a car chase and you'll be rammed and you'll be off for two weeks with a bad back so you, you're then trying to comprehend the two fatals you've just dealt with but being at home not being able to get out of bed physically can't move yeah, yeah. and it's just and your brain goes over and over and I think that's where my downfall was 
because one of your mantras is about being able to talk. I now talk to anyone about anything. I will stand up to any single person that's about, and I will be like, "Hi, my, my name's Ben Pearson. I've got mental health issues." Yeah. And I will talk. I've got nothing to be ashamed about. I'm sat here wearing a big T-shirt with PTSD written all over back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's the people that do and hold it in. They think they're indestructible. They think they won't break. And I'm, I'm saying, if, well, if you were driving a high-powered pursuit car, chasing burglars at 140 mile an hour and 30 mile an hour limit, tackling knife men, gunmen, and all this sort of stuff, if you can break from that moment when you're not meant to break, anyone can break. Yeah. You shouldn't have to think, well, due to the reputation I've got, due to the who I'm meant to be, you've always got either a loved one, a friend, a family. Although if you haven't got them, there's phone numbers you can ring, there's Samaritans, there's mine, there's Kaleidoscope, there's all these different... Charities out there that are there to help you. So I think for people to say, I've got no one to talk to, that's, that's quite hard to put on. For me to listen to say, people don't have, everyone's got someone. Yeah, it's yeah. how much you want to give out at that moment in time. So don't get me wrong, if you start at a bus stop and you start opening up about yeah. your sex life or whatever, you're, gonna you're probably going to get a tough audience. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah it's going to be a tough crowd. But if you're in a pub with your mates and you're having a few beers and look, lads, I'm just struggling a bit here. Can we just have a bit of a chat about this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not from all. And real friends will do that. Yeah. Real friends will listen. Yeah, and if they don't, then they're not your real mates. No, And exactly. you're probably better off not having them around you. Yeah. Because all they're going to be doing is breeding that toxic masculinity. And that's what I mean, when that's what we don't need. We need people that are open, and people that are open to listen to be able to change. Yeah. And that's why I think the biggest stamping point is, it's getting away with this alpha male, alpha female, um, I'm not weak, because it's not to do with being weak, it's about being open and transparent. Well, I think one of the biggest like things that I've kind of discovered is it actually takes way more strength to be vulnerable. Yeah. It takes a really strong person to go, I'm feeling like shit. Yeah. Can I have some help? Because to do that, you have to put your ego aside. You have to acknowledge that you aren't Superman. And real strength is doing that. Anyone can pretend to be, oh yeah, I'm fine. It doesn't take a strong person to pretend to be okay. It takes a strong person to acknowledge that they're not and yeah. then go, I could do with a bit of help. Can I, can I just pick up on that word? You said, you said vulnerable. So I did a lecture not so long since for um, National Organisation for Retired Police Officers. And then I said the word vulnerable. I says, people think being vulnerable is um, a stigma and it's dangerous. But v- being vulnerable is good and it's pure. And man put his hand up and says, well, when people are vulnerable, that's why we get involved, because the police see vulnerability as a negative. Yeah. They see it because someone's either got a, a mental health issue, they're physically or some other kind of disability. They're, they're coming from a background where someone's been sexually abused because they're vulnerable. But I said, no, it's the other way around. Uh, and just playing on this for a start, the people that are in, say, one direction, well, they went on X Factor, they were vulnerable, they put themselves out. Yeah. They put all the guards down and thought, right, I'm going to do this. The people that have been vulnerable have succeeded more. The people that have gone for the audition for TV and film, they've gone there thinking, I'm scared, I'm going to be scared, but I'm putting myself out there. I'm being yeah, yeah. The person that sees a beautiful man or woman at the other side of the room and goes over and says, hi, I'm so-and-so, they're putting themselves in a vulnerable spot. Yeah. But they might succeed, that woman, or that man might be looking for that person. So you're putting vulnerability as a positive, and I think that's what you need to be doing. When yeah, you just definitely. said that the vulnerability isn't a negative, it's a positive. A hundred percent. And it's, it's kind of opening yourself to the potential danger, but having the, the strength to go, right, this could go to shit. I could fall on my face. But I also, it could go exactly where I need to be. And particularly with mental health, you, could, you can approach that, like, I might be rejected for talking about it's it. It's that word, isn't it? Rejection. You're scared of being rejected by society yeah. or your friends. Or... But at the same time, I can get the help that I need but I have to be able to go I need help to get the help doctors aren't knocking on your door or do you need some counselling that's not happening it it happens to me because I live with a therapist but nobody else is getting oh do you need some proper help is everything okay that's not happening you have to take that that kind of step towards going right I acknowledge that I'm finding things tough or I acknowledge that I'm getting burnt out or I acknowledge that I'm not feeling the way that I think I should and then going and finding some help in one way or another. Yeah. And if we as a society can make it normal to have those moments without it being fear of rejection or at least reducing that, it will reduce the amount of people that are stuck behind this barrier of, 
I can't be seen to be vulnerable, I can't be weak, or I can't open myself to any form of rejection for fear of like being ostracised, if it's normal to go, oh, I feel a bit crap. Oh, sorry to hear that, mate. Yeah. Let's go grab a coffee. Yeah. Let's just talk it out. Let's just make sure that it's not something too serious. Or do you need me to just listen to what's going on? Or do you need me to offer solutions? Like, how do we sort this out? Like, at the end of the day, if your mates care about you, they want you yeah. to be happy chappy, don't they? They, they don't want you yeah. sat there feeling miserable at home. No, I totally agree. I mean, the, the most thing that we get now, obviously, Dan's in room, Dan's my business partner. Um, the more things we get now is when people come up to us and say to us when we're at events or whatever, what can you do to help me? And I'm like, well, first of all, what have you done to help yourself first of all? Have you, have you pushed forward? Have you made that first call? Have you gone to your GP? Have you made any effort? And if they haven't, it's, well, the first person that can help you is yourself. Yeah, yeah. You need to put your hand up and say, I'm struggling. I've got, a, I've got an issue. I'm, I can't do this. I can't do yeah. that. But you can't wait for anyone else to prove that. Once you've done that, we can then get behind you and push you along. Yeah. And it sounds selfish when someone says that, oh, what, what can you do? And it's like, oh, what have you done to help yourself? But someone that isn't willing to help themselves can't be helped by anyone else. No. As much as it sounds selfish for you to go, well, what are you doing? Yeah. It's not a selfish thing. It's a, an acknowledgement of, I can't do anything if you're not willing to do something. Yeah. If you're not willing to go, I need help, I can't do shit. Because yeah. you're not going to listen to me or you're just going to fight back. Yeah. Until you accept that you need some extra support or until you take that first step to getting that help, it's hard for anyone to do anything for you. Yeah, agreed. 100% mate. And to be fair to that person, the person that says, what can you do to help me? That is probably their first step. And that's where you go, right, let's yeah. let's see what, A, what are you doing? And then we know where we're starting from. Yeah. It's not a, well, go away and sort yeah. yourself out. Come back in a week. Yeah, come and, <laughs> come and tell me all the therapy that you've had. Like, it isn't a, a rejection. No. It's a, right, let's find a starting point. I always try and be the best version of yourself. Yeah. You know, try your best anyway. It's quite hard to do. <laughs> it takes a lot of effort to not be a knobhead most of the time. Um, so, obviously, police interceptors are quite a big thing. Yeah. How did that come about? How's that kind of... Because I imagine a, a big hurdle for anyone within the police force when a camera crew is there is why I'm now very visibly a police officer. Yeah. Did you have that barrier when you were kind of involved in that? Did you ever have that fear? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's strange because what people don't realise is you've got body cams on and in your traffic car, because um, we're roads policing... You've got cameras on all the time, so you're constantly being filmed. Mm. So just say, for instance, and I'm not, and I would never be, whatever, but just say you're saying something to your colleague that's offhand, rude, racist, homophobic, or whatever, it was, and then you have a car crash. Yeah. It's already filmed in the car. You can't take back what you've just said. Yeah. So you don't know if you're going to be having a car crash in 30 seconds. So everything you're doing in the car, yeah, you're having a laugh, and yeah, you're saying things to your mate that like, oh, did you watch this last night? And I can't believe that. And yeah, there'll be swear words and this sort of thing. But you're always professional. Yeah. You're never like, whoa, and shouting out window or doing something you shouldn't do. You're always professional, even when you're in a car with your, your colleague, because you're always being filmed. Yeah. Um, the only thing it was different when you've got the interceptors with you is it brought a lot of attraction. When you're getting out of a car and they've got a Channel 5 vest on, they've got a camera, it attracts, and I'm sorry for my language, it just attracts shit. Yeah. And then the dross of society, that just what I want to do is throw stones. Oh, stab TV, you. yeah. Yeah, they just get dragged towards the camera. Yeah. And you're stopping people, for sake of um, doing something stupid just to be on TV. And then when they put the camera in the face, they're like, well, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, you know, I, I mean? actually don't want to be... Yeah, I actually don't want to be on TV. Um, but the fact of it is how we patrol, how we policed, how we did his job... How we spoke, everything that you see on TV is the job. Yeah. They do cut out more violent things, they do cut out fatal collisions, they do cut out things because it's technically, it's still a family show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's always on eight o'clock, so it's. it's before um, the watershed. Yeah, before watershed, so it's got to be family oriented. It's got to be, I'm sure they said it's got to be for a 10 year old. So the what have fails on the what if someone's been multiply stabbed or whatever, or we've had to take someone down and he's fighting with us and Bobby's have been injured. But everything else that's on it is, is correct. Yeah. They've not blanked anything out that shouldn't have been in the car. It's all done and dusted. And when they came in on the day, I, my colleague was Baby Ben, who I work with all the time. Um, he'd already been out with a like, lad called James. And I didn't want to do it because I've got a white streak in my hair. I was known around the area for being a bobby. 
uh, and I just didn't want any more pressure. And all the pressure we got before our interceptors was negative. Yeah. It was just pl- the hated police, people would shout at you. As soon as we were in the interceptors, you became known on TV. Everywhere you went, it was positive. You had organised crime members. These are proper, proper nominals, dangerous people. Yeah. Um, people you wouldn't associate with at all. And the police are like, very, very careful. Organised crime nominals stopping in the car and coming over and checking your hand because they've seen you on TV and see you as a person. Yeah, yeah. So it was breaking down stigma between um, different areas, different races, different religions. It was breaking down demographics of where you work in rich and poor. And it were, everyone was seeing different elements and different aspects of these people behind cameras. The saddest thing for me, though, when I was filming it, was I was dying inside. I was, I was poorly. I was hiding it. Um, and I was enjoying the ride, but I didn't take in the ride. It's like going to Disneyland. Yeah. I went to Disneyland and I came home, and yeah, I went, I've considered being to Disneyland. It's not like I went to Disneyland and I spent three weeks just enjoying each separate ride yeah, and yeah. taking it all in. So I enjoyed it for what it was, but I didn't take in, I didn't understand what was going on, I didn't understand what it will lead into. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm truly glad I've, I've done and I've been part of. Um, it's a massive family. Yeah. It's really weird, all the directors, the, the, the photographers, everyone that's on it, they're a massive family and you all see them in contact now, um, which has just led to a new series, in, well, I can't tell you what it is, but a new series coming out in back end of this year, stroke autumn, winter time. Right. I can't tell you what that is, but <clears throat> if you look on a certain channel... At eight o'clock on a certain night, it'll be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We've got a few weeks before this will come out yeah. anyway, so you, you don't know what's going to be announced by then. No. But it's it's really interesting to hear that by being on the interceptors and how interceptors is changing perspective around police officers, because it's not a fact that people really consider when they talk about stuff like that. No, it's it, just, just to break this up as well. Sorry to jump in. But all Bobbies are very private people. Mm. People seem to think that you've been bullied at school or you've done this. You're not, you're a private person, you come to work and all you want to do is help people. But the Bobbies that go on it as well, it boosts, it shows that we're all dogmen, firearms, everyone's a person behind the uniform. Yeah. And then when you see something that's bad or you're dealing with something bad, they know it's just a job. And then it breaks down Channel 5 and Interceptors. It was the, I think it was, at the time it was the biggest on 15, 16, 17, the series we were on. It, it is and still was the biggest like viewed Channel 5 programme and it's sold across the world market that's why you'll see it on Bravo um, Paramount and Forces all these other things because it's sold on world market so what that's done for the Bobbies it, not only in West Shots Police but through, through the UK let's be honest police don't have a good time as it is at the moment there's a lot of people saying negative stuff but when you turn TV on there's always cops after an hour bringing yeah. the dogs sending the helicopter uh, forces TV there's always something about police on a night yeah, that's yeah. normally always on TV so people are obsessed with watching it they're obsessed with watching the bobbies and getting to know the bobbies but then when you come out in a normal world they don't really want to deal with bobbies and think yeah so you're trying it, to find something yeah. that's wrong yeah so it, is, it does yeah. break down a massive stigma which everyone that's on it or being on it or connected with is really proud of yeah, yeah. I, do, I think it's really it's really good to help rebuild the like the confidence in the police force because as you say there's a lot of negative yeah especially in America that's really driving yeah. a lot of this negative press and there's a there's been a breakdown in like this trusted member of the community yeah. perspective yeah um, which within the last couple of years has had a real big hit with a yeah. couple of events that have happened yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's really good to learn more when perspective is being positively reinforced because we need it like inherently a police force is a required part of society and people should be able to feel like they can trust the police force like sounds nice that did sound good what were it Porsche Porsche nice we had about three golf R's do it earlier it was just fart noises all the way (laughs) (laughs) thank you Um, but it is it's really important that the police force are seen as someone that you can trust because inherently they are people that are going to help when yeah. things are bad. And this perspective of, well, you can't tell them anything because they'll go dig in for more dirt yeah. and they'll try and find ways to prosecute you if you need it's anything. Like, it's, that, it's that's really funny because that comes from civilians, but if you listen to a police officer, it's really funny. I've been there, I've been inside a police car, and the last thing you want to do is go back into Nick and do more digging. 
Um, you've got no staff. You've yeah. got you run up. You're working eight, eighty hours a week. You're shattered. It's not like you don't, want, you, don't, <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to deal with it. You, you, well, I just bought so Bobby's going to go and dig on me, and you're like, I don't want to. Leave me alone. I want to go. I got time. Yeah. <laughs> I deal with, and this is why we said. I think it really funny when people come out and can people go, go get a real job. <laughs> what you know what I mean? Go go catch a rapist, and you're like, you're back my traffic cop. So I deal with traffic offences. Yeah, unless he's raping someone on a car. Yeah. <laughs> so my job is then, I will only deal with, this is how I saw it, I will only deal with fatals or serious collisions, because this is what traffic do. If it's someone's had a, a fender bender, not being funny, that you're a grown adult, so it helps up details, yeah. that's fine. But so fatals, serious collisions, or stolen cars, or crime. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I drove out with Nick, and I had, like, Terminator glasses on, um... Not actually a war terminator glasses, but the yeah, idea yeah, being is you were looking I only that. dealt with crime and criminals. So I don't care if whoever you were, if you were doing criminal stuff, if you're a burglar, car thief, shoplifter, um, if you're doing something like that, I'd be all over you. But if you're Mrs. Miggins, or you had a light out, or you had your seatbelt off, I'd pull alongside you and put your seatbelt on, please. Yeah. And that's it. Even though that was my job as a traffic cop to prosecute you because it's all about education yeah. but I think there's criminals out there that needed stopping there were criminals out there that were stealing robbing raping, fish murdering fry, yeah. yeah and that were always yeah it was bigger fish to fry and it's not in my remit to give you a 50-60 pound ticket yeah when I should be dealing with a burglar because every time I've got you start outside at road that burglar is not getting sorted yeah or he's driven past yeah so I'm like I don't want to I imagine a lot of the stops for like seatbelts for example is because it's probably a more suspicious thing, but you needed the reason to yeah. pull them. It's like we always used to work in Fatal Fours, which were speed, seatbelts, drugs, drink, and mobile phone. Um, <clears throat> that's what caused more deaths on the road. But then if you look at it, the criminal element, well, they don't wear a seatbelt anyway. Yeah. Uh, Billy Burglar aren't still in the car and he puts his seatbelt on. They're just jumping cars. So anyone that's not got a seatbelt on, we look at more towards the fact of are they likely to be a burglar? Like yeah. a car thief, yeah. that's why they're not good at it. But we don't stop them from our seatbelt. We, we run vehicle through. Vehicles shown have been registered 20 miles out of town, yeah. no, shown as no insurance, and linked to a burglar. That's why it gets stopped. Yeah. So, and one small thing then unleashes a big thing. Yeah. But if you, like I said, you're missing Miggins going shopping in a car, going to Morrison's, you're not getting stopped. If you're a good member of the public, you're not getting stopped. If you're, you're getting told to put your seatbelt yeah, on. Yeah, just put your seatbelt on. If I see it again, I'll pull you over yeah. and you'll get the ticket. So the you've criminals had warning, yeah. are the ones getting stopped. So all the decent people, I'm sorry, but what are you moaning about? We're there doing this the best job. Yeah. So Resources are tight enough that we don't, you can't be throwing them at yeah. little niggly bits and bobs everywhere. It has to go to the stuff that's making a real difference. I can't remember what I said. It might be been something like 750 square miles we had to cover in traffic. Uh, which covered obviously all the way up to Manchester M62, all of Huddersfield, Halifax. Obviously, you were not our area, but all goes up to North Yorkshire, Lancashire, goes to the South Yorkshire border, East Yorkshire border, and you might have had eight traffic cops. So you're thinking about it. Well, where are they? Or why are you letting? Because we might have had eight traffic cops on that, that day. Yeah. So that's how how tight knit it was. That's mad. Yeah. Eight traffic cops. Yeah. Like a hundred mile area each. Yeah. And if two of you needed to do one thing, yeah, Jesus, yeah, people just think you're growing on trees and there's hundreds of you sat there and there's yeah. not. Well, you never <laughs> yes, because they wouldn't let us in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, you you won't come to my burglary. Well, yeah, because we've got no staff. Yeah, since uh, we're not going down the rabbit hole of politics, but since what happened and not we lost all those bobbies, we just don't have the staff. And if something can be filed before. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, it'll get filed. Yeah. But it's not that the bobbies don't want to come to it. That's why the bobbies are sat there. But the control room tell the bobbies what they're going to. Yeah. And if there's an old lady fell behind the door, or there's your three-day-old shed burglary, they go to the old lady fell behind the door. Yeah. But then you'll see you going there in Asda getting some food because you get something to eat, and then, well, you haven't know, been to my shed burglary in three days. Well, yeah, I've just dealt with four sudden deaths, an old lady behind the door, yeah. a, a shoplifter in Asda and some else. So... It's all done by the control room, sends the bobby in. The bobbies are sat there, right, go to this, go to that. Then the other stuff you'll never know about, it goes into an office, gets filed, and that's it. Well, there's so much behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It inherently comes with a lot of follow-up. Yeah. Which I imagine takes up a bigger percentage of time than people realise. Well, there'll be offices that'll be broken legs, broken arms, dislocated, whatever, damaged spines. They all sit in this office, typing away, doing all the stuff over the phones that you can't see. Yeah. And leaving all the bobbies that are active to go out there and wrestle the burglars, so to speak. It's it's such a like an intense world, isn't it? Yeah. And have you found stuff like 
we'll say Luther as an example that first springs to mind, has had an impact on people's perceptions of police work? Um, yeah, I, I just think it's strange that when you see things like CSI and all these sort of things, that, that what we call them SOCO or crime scene investigators, everyone thinks they're armed and they're the bobbies. Well, all, all they do is obviously no disrespect them because they're fantastic what they do, but they just do for fingerprints, do DNA, yeah. take photographs and send them back. So we're the ones that go to the job, they're the ones that do that, and then CID might then go do the interview. So it's a it's a multi it's a team effort. It's a team effort. It's, it's not, not like you're thing. At yeah. the, oh I've got these fingerprints. Yeah. I've run these fingerprints. Now I found the guy. Now I'm yeah. going to go interview. But it's like Luther's meant to be some like a chief superintendent. They never leave office. Yeah. So when he's because they've got fifty people to manage. Like, <laughs> yeah. They haven't got the time to be jumping through like lorries and stuff. Like that. <laughs> well, he's diffusing a bomb. He's, yeah, he's the best detective that. in the air. Yeah. He's like, he's like this Bobby's brilliant. What's what other cops do if he's sitting on these lines? Wild. So, are there any like interesting stories that come up? Uh, like everybody's. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a driving one then. I'm gonna say because everybody's done like a silly. Oh, this guy was doing 100 mile an hour police chase. But are there any that? Like, oh really... no, no. I've done. Yeah, we've we've been 163 mile an hour. We chased cars at 130 mile an hour through a 30 mile an hour limit, and we've we've rammed so many cars. We've we've. I can give you all those, but just one, even because we're in a, a driving thing now. So I'm on patrol um, in the Idle area of Bradford. Bit of a shill. So I'm sorry if anyone lives in Idle. Uh, so I'm going down past... Um, I don't think they've got Thorpe technology Edge. to listen yeah. to this up there. Going down past Thorpe Edge, and I can see this car in front of me, uh, back boots open, and there's a bloke leaning out with a video camera. And all of a sudden this green car comes screaming out of a side street. And it's smoke everywhere, blue smoke, and it's revving, it's speeding up behind this car in front. So I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? I mean, that's where. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's my fu- podcast, do you? Yeah, what the fuck's going on here? And it slows down, and blokes waving him on in, in car. Then he, over- he, he overtakes it, and then camera car overtakes him, and the smoke, smoke. And you know, he's thinking, right, I'm not having this. I am not having. I'm a traffic cop. I'm not having this. <laughs> so a car gets to. Um, uh, what is it? New line, new line traffic lights. Turns left and goes down the hill. So I get behind this green car, put lights on. So I'm in my VXR traffic car, blues and twos going. Uh, and also I pull alongside this car, and there's a, a pull alongside. It's like a limited edition, something like a 1940s Ferrari. <laughs> it's like one of these on here. It's like yeah, that one yeah. at the top there. Um, oh, like a proper old. Yeah, proper old school Ferrari. For people that can't see, there's a picture on the wall. This really, really old car. Alongside it, it's still in Moss. <laughs> and it's been, uh, it's been the camera crew in front's um, ITV, right? And it's for calendar news. And they've recently opened a car showroom, not calendar, but the people have, and they've got this limited edition Ferrari in it, yeah, this world 1.2 million pound car or whatever it is. And they've invited Sterling Moss up to drive it, right? So obviously, he's flying around back streets <laughs> in this Ferrari. Did they not have any like passes or anything to do it? Uh, well, we didn't get told. We didn't <laughs> you get, think they'd tell you? Yeah, we didn't get told, and also, and I don't even think the car were road registered. To be honest with you, um, so I pulled alongside it, but they kept it in, so it were. <laughs> Oh, so when ITV news comes on, it's coming out road with police car behind you. <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, I met Sterling Moss. <laughs> that must have been a nightmare because, on one hand, it's a cool thing. Yeah. On the other side, he's in a non-registered car. They haven't told you that they're filming. They've probably got to have some legal permits. And I think like I just, how many rules were broken to that point? I think I just smiled and drove off. There was no <laughs> way I'd be getting out live on TV in front of Sterling. That that if I got out and did something career-ending, I think it would either be career-ending or it'd be world news. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't know what permits he got. I don't coin toss at that point. Yeah. yeah. And the idea being is, I felt more proud that I'd met. Or seen Sterling Moss and smiled at me, and he smiled at me and waved at me. And the fact of the matter is, yeah, all right, and but he's a trained driver. I don't know what it could have been on trade plates, but yeah. they were doing a news article. I'm not having them go around the streets and do it again. So, yeah, it was one of those things that just take it on the chin and God, what a yeah. wild event! But that's like event, you know, yeah. when you go home and you're like, I met, oh, and another one more. Um, we, we were driving down Thornton Road in Bradford. And it's a film mecca now, is Bradford. Right. There's so many films being made in Bradford, it's untrue. So we're driving down, and all of a sudden this trolley dolly comes out, so it's like a big American Jeep with a base platform at the back, um, cameras all on it. You know what I mean? You see him in Hollywood, don't you? All, all yeah. rigged up. 
and uh, we're, we're following it, and there's a light, there's a light hanging off it. And we're like, I said, that's a trolley dolly, that, for like a film thing. And he went, yeah, it's got no number plate on. And I was like, it looked like they'd stolen it. Yeah. Um, anyway, it goes left and goes into this, um, like, an alleyway, and then turns back right on this road in the middle of Thornton. So we turn back round, follow, we're following it, and Austin, there's this bloke stood there looking at me, and he's got like a security badge on his arm. Like a bouncer, though. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, he just watches us drive right the middle, and coming up the street, and I'm like, you point at this driver... And then it's Gabriel Byrne, you know, Hollywood actor. And Gabriel Byrne stood there side row with his arms folded and looks at us and we're just driven right from the middle of a film set. <laughs> and the trolley dolly is meant to be like an action car coming up to capture the scene is like it's on the car. Yeah, yeah. But there's us behind it like we're Hi <laughs> Get out get out Gabriel Byrne's autograph. But yeah, so it was a massive Hollywood picture being filmed in the centre of Bradford. And again you had no idea. No idea. They don't tell us how we're not bothered, it's just like closing one here now. <laughs> But even director and producer like sat there with mouths open and were like watching like, a police car and being upset. Each shoot takes t- costs like fifty grand <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And like, <laughs> you should have blocked it off. Not my problem. Yeah. Should definitely have road closed. <laughs> I think it looked all right, but I think it meant to be set in fifties. And then you're and then, in the Astro VXR, <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> Two thousand eight VXR. So, but yeah, there's loads of stories like that. There's loads of things that we've done. Lots of that I probably can't talk about. Yeah, of course. But yeah, just it's just it's been for nineteen years. It's been one of those good jobs. But unfortunately, things have to come to an end, and that's why we are where we are now, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, and no, I think it's one of those where it's, it's really it was a negative thing that happened, and you've obviously had to come away for for the health reasons of it all, which isn't inherently a nice thing. The flip side of it is you're now doing a great thing because of it. So obviously you had to go through a lot of shit, you had to deal with a lot of shit and you're obviously still dealing with it. Yeah. But at the same time you're doing what you did as a police officer and trying to help yeah. other people not have to deal with the crap. Um, you're giving back to your own police community a, a lot and yeah. you're doing a lot of awareness outside of the police world for um, like mental health, PTSD awareness, that sort of stuff. I mean people don't see like the fact that you still... I'm still highly medicated. Mm. Still, like, got to take a lot of medication in the morning. But yes, like, so Dan, my partner, business partner. That's all right. If that makes it. I'm not I'm saying business partner, that's why he's here. Just for clarity. But yeah, but like, I've always wanted to do something. Dan's always wanted to do design t shirts and stuff. We went for a drink um, at Christmas time. Um, and then he just sat in, we sat in pub and it like, well, I want to do this, well, I want to do that. Yeah. And within two months, we've got an online store, we're selling around the world, we're it's gone really well for us but the, the PTSD logo the, the name um, it's like it's bizarre because my next door neighbour's just going down to Cornwall first person to see on beach wearing one of our t-shirts there's a, American officers that have bought all the stuff that they've bought badges there's people from all, one of the things we do as well we're like on Instagram we have where stuff being yeah. so there's people in I have in Philippines that are wearing as badges. They've got. They're in Mexico. They're in Alps. And it's like, where, where's the furthest life and my book can go, or the PTSD logo yeah, badge yeah. can go? And it's bizarre that you can see stuff that Dan and I have created that's on a lot of things, and it's gone really well it's all over the world. Yeah, it's gone like worldwide basically. There's, there's people in the states that contact us from all different forces. We've had people from special forces, Navy SEALs, contact us. We've had loads of people. Uh, like, I'm in Wichita, I don't know, State Trooper Unit. Yeah, yeah. And we're on those rest days, we watch your videos or we talk about this and your PTSD logo comes up. And it's amazing. It's known that you always think the world's a big place, but someone said, I can't remember who was, throw a pebble in a pond, eventually it ripples up, pebble will go across the full pond. Yeah, yeah. And that's all you need. You need to have that little bit of thought and, like, if I'm being honest with you, if it weren't for Dan, I'd be probably lost because I needed something else to focus my attention on um, and yeah it's, we, we're just trying to make a difference we're trying to get bobbies uh, ambulance workers firefighters we're trying to get everyone to be able to say yeah like you said it's not okay not to be okay it's okay to... what's that Dan? M3. Oh, what? M3 um, tires wheel out of that yeah. I just see a cloud of dust now I bet if you were neighbours, you'd be getting naffed off. Oh, that house over there is probably well annoyed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's like getting the stigma out. And I, I want to be like you. I want to be, just say, 10 years down the line. Well, we were talking about this years ago, and mm. it's only been coming up now. Well, this should have been done 20 years ago. 
It's just that we're in a, a position now to push where we're going with it. Yeah. And I've been noticed with it, where this should have been done 20, 30. I wish someone, and I don't mean like me, I wish someone that had my illness could tell me before I had my illness and said, these are the symptoms of mental health. Yeah. These are what you need to be doing now. And that's all we're trying to do. So we'll say to everyone, and there's loads of people in police contact us and fire service. And one of them, a simple thing, what I do a speech about my backpack being full. It's got your life in it, it's got your job, your, your lady or your husband or whatever in it, and your mortgage. It's always 75% full. And a firefighter contact me says, how do I know my backpack's full? Well, you know, because you contacted me. Yeah. You don't need me to tell you. You know it's full. So then he went straight to his GP, had loads of therapy. He's back at work. Yeah. But it's that, it's that little bit of a reinforced stamp, you know. You're just looking for a bit of justification. Yeah, if you're asking, it probably yeah. means that you need you, to... You know. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think the awareness is about. It's about just saying, this is what it is. Yeah. Struggling sleeping, struggling eating, can't get things off your mind, you're crying a lot, all negative. There's something slightly underlying there that you need to focus yeah. on. And I think educating people is a really key point of helping make a difference, Like, especially within the, the services and a lot of kind of male dominated areas like construction for example yeah. they need a, some education on these are important signs to notice these are the signposts of something more and if you don't know that that's what they mean you'll just assume that oh, I'm a bit tired or I'm yeah I'm not got an appetite and stuff like that and then you probably not consciously keeping track of how often stuff like that happens and you probably miss the six weeks of not really eating much and yeah. not sleeping properly and then by week seven, you're like wiped it's out. It's all gone, yeah. And you're in a very difficult position. Whereas if on week two, you've gone, oh, I've had two weeks, I'm not really sleeping yeah. properly. Maybe I need to have a, do a bit of digging as to what could be causing this. Or so I what thought, what, is it narcolepsy? I thought, what, narcoleptic or something? Just I literally, yeah, I literally, I, I couldn't sleep for years, as in like on the job, because I was so highly strung about. Yeah. And you go everywhere and you're like, I can't sleep in police car. And often I got to this barrier and literally, I'd, I'd go. I could fall asleep. I could fall asleep walking around Morrison's with shopping trolley. Right. I was that bad. Yeah. I was like just so constantly so tired and so worn out. And no matter how much sleep I got, just wasn't never, never enough. enough. Yeah. And it was, but basically when the therapist, um, my counsellors, um, and everyone that looked into it basically said, it's because you're not sleeping, you think you're sleeping. And then when they did sleep tests on me and things like that, I, I would think I was sleeping 13, 14 hours a night and I was sleeping probably two hours. Yeah. But I thought that were a full night's sleep. Your and brain is just not switching yeah. off. And it was going all the time. So, yeah, there's all sorts of underlying issues that people need to be aware of and get, get checked if they're not feeling right. Well, hopefully with more conversations like this happening, that that is going to become more prominent, especially if, with your stuff getting so far spread within that audience as well. Like, for me, I'm relatively general, so it's not like I'm approaching police officers around the world. For you, it's very. There's a very easy access yeah. for a group of people that can will talk to each other, will yeah. share to each other. Oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And I think as that becomes more prominent and more people engage with it, the bigger it's going to get, the more difference it's going to make. Especially because it's coming from one of their own as well. Like, yeah. that really is a, a huge point that's probably making a big difference for you. Is that people go, "Oh, he's that guy. He's yeah. the police officer. He yeah. was on the telly being a police officer." Yeah. He knows what it's like. It's coming from an informed place. Yeah. Rather than me going, oh, you're a police officer, you should be aware of this. Go, oh, what yeah. do you know? You're just a civilian. Yeah. It's, it's really like a testament to you for taking such a shit situation and using it. Like going, right, I've, I'm dealing with this. I've felt like this. I've dealt with this. I'm, I've had all this happen to me. If it can happen to me, it can happen to any of us. We should be a bit more aware of what can happen. And yeah. that will hopefully make such a big difference. Um, so like, real hats off to you for that. Thank you. Um, I could go down the rabbit hole of share as many stories of interesting <laughs> things, but I, I'm conscious that I would rather this be focused on the message of what you're doing. It's nice to go, oh, how many police chases have you yeah. done? Okay, we'll do that next time. Yeah, we'll do another one where it's just, uh, <laughs> we just share stories yeah. and we'll just go back and forth on, well, I had this happen. Well, you had this happen. Well, I had this Well, happen. I said I want you on my podcast. So yeah. Please, on mine. 100%. Um, but I, I think there's also a real opportunity for us to do some stuff together as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, like we've chatted about with the cars and coffee. Yeah. Um, maybe some 
kind of crossover stuff with like merchandise stuff like that I think we are working down a lot of parallel lines and I think it would be a great opportunity for us to work together to broaden both horizons definitely um, without stepping on each other's toes and stuff like that because at the end of the day we're both trying to make this work as a thing yes yeah, we... there's enough room for it it's literally it's, yeah. it, it'll go on forever and it'll bypass us so oh, it'll be still yeah, going sure. on when we've gone so um, definitely I'm, I'm love to have a new friend and new friendship <laughs> you're going to make me cry <laughs> you're I big love softies you, you play, so, you're just <laughs> pretending to be tough guys yes yeah, you can't pretend to be tough you've just got to be yourself yeah and it's funny, like this whole like stigma about tough guys and stuff like that, and what we we talked about earlier about being vulnerable. And it's like, from an outside perspective, most people would assume a tough guy is on martial arts and fights yeah. and high octane sports and this yeah. and that. And it's like, like take me for example. My hobbies over the years have been rock climbing, mountain biking, jujitsu, MMA, yeah. motorsport, all these things that you would associate with. Oh, he's a blokey bloke. I am the least blokey bloke around. Yeah. I will pick up a spanner and I'll work on a car. But I'm not like, oh, I mate, how's it? Yeah. Like, oh, well, I don't think they're God. blokes. I no, just, I, I think they're caricatures. Yeah, I do. I just think when someone like tries to be a man's man. Yeah. Well, what, a man's what man, you're hiding? Yeah, a man's man's not Vin Diesel. A man's man's Clint Eastwood. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like you don't have to be a, an over a, um, over alpha male. Yeah. A proper man's man, someone that stood there in the corner watching what's going on. They know who they are, and they yeah, and they're comfortable in what they do, and comfortable now with the talk and. Do you know what I mean? I just think that's fantastic when people are just like that sort of person. Yeah. When you can just relate to any, any single person, any single situation in the world, whether you're rich, poor, famous, not famous. Yeah. You can just literally walk in. I, I'm this person. I'm comfortable in myself. And I've got nothing to prove apart from just... That's why I, I drive a Renault 5. You can't have an ego in a Renault 5. <laughs> you cannot pretend to be better than anybody in a Renault 5, except for right now when I'm going, I'm better than you because I drive a car that's got no ego. <laughs> <laughs> if I were going to pick a car, right, it would be like an XR2 or Renault 5. Yeah, yeah like, they're just they're cars of the people. But it's one of those where it's so much more fun to not care. Yeah. And not in a I don't care about you way, but in a I'm not intimidated by the Your, size of you yeah. how famous you are how much money you've got in the bank yeah who you are as a person is what I'm interested in yeah exactly if you're a knobhead I don't want to talk to you yeah but if you treat me like a person despite who you are we're best pals yeah. like, no I love that's it so I think that's so much more interesting yeah. I've met some, some famous people I've met some very very wealthy people I've met some people with absolutely nothing in the bank and I've made friends in every single yeah. category because of who they are as a person rather than I always what say they good are. people attract good people yeah so you know what I mean? And I think that's how life should be. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying if you're not a good person, you shouldn't ever talk to me, but I'm saying I'm say good yeah, people. Buy a T-shirt and then do yeah, one. Buy, <laughs> buy some clothing, go away. No, I think good people always attract good people, and I think that's why you can get on with anyone wherever you go around the world and you, you're in a, a businessman's office in Manhattan yeah. doing a £50 million deal to go into a local youth club, you know what I mean, talking over a bag of chips. It yeah. can make a difference where you are. You're still, you're still yourself, and as long as you're honest to yourself and everyone else around you, you've got not to hide. Perfect. Well, I'm going to leave it there. We're just shy of the hour mark, which is a nice...